The Lord's faithfulness endures forever. E even when we are unfaithful, as I so often am, He always remains faithful. He is a faithful God. Loves us. How can we not but pour out all of our adoration to a God that loves us so much with an eternal love? I want to be right in the front of the queue like the Levites of old. And I want to pour out my adoration to Him who loves me so much. <laughs> and I'm most probably going to have a couple of you guys in close second, but I'm, I'm a fast runner, all right? So. But uh, this morning we're going to be speaking about something that is very relevant in our lives. We're speaking about purpose. And I think... There are two days in every person's life that are very, very significant and very important. And I'm not talking about just the day that you get married. Those are beautiful days, but I'm talking about significant days. The first of which is the day that you're born. How many of you believe with me and you can say, yes, that was quite an important day? <laughs> because if you didn't have that day and if you weren't born, you wouldn't be here. You know, and I was so deeply moved by that video yesterday. And when I, when I watched that, that video and the two weeks that they had, uh, that Tracy Ramos had with her daughter Darcy, I was so moved because in 14 days, they took her to McDonald's. They took her on a ballroom dance with her dad. Her dad took her for a bike ride in his arms. I don't know how they did the video. It was, just, it was just so moving. But in those 14 days, they tried to cram everything into this little girl's life so that for 14 days, this little girl had the experience of what it meant to truly be alive. And that moved me so much. It moved me to tears because so often we say, Tomorrow is yet another day. And we put off what can be done today until tomorrow when tomorrow is actually not given. <laughs> so therefore, the first day is the most important day. It's the day we were born. Hallelujah for the day I was born. I can remember every one of my kids that were born, the moment that each of them were born. And it was an incredible experience. The second day of great significance is when you realize why you were born. You see, because I believe each of us have got purpose. And if we look, I had pondered on how to do this, but if we have a look at our lifespan, and I'm going to try and get this to about 100 inches. Do you think, guys think I can do that? There we go. All right. 108, 100. I'm not sure about you, but I'm not sure if I'm going to make 100. But if we look at what the Bible says, the Bible says that uh, Psalm 90 verse 10, I do believe it says, it's three score and ten, and if by strength a little bit more. So you know what, uh, in, in front of us, we are, we are really given pretty much nothing more than a hundred years. If you reach a hundred, that is incredible. I would like to know what you're eating, what exercise you're doing, because that's really obviously working for you. But if we take three score and ten by strength a little bit more, 
I'm going to quickly shorten this. And let's hypothetically, where shall we stop? What is, it, what is a good score? Shall we go to 90? <laughs> My age. <laughs> 90. All right, so this is pretty much your life. All right, well, we go, if, I mean, if you're really strong, let's, let's hit 90, 92, 93, Miss Patty. We honor you. I think you are, you are almost 91. How awesome is that? But now we're going to subtract the incognitive years where we are really not sure about anything in life. And we're going to take maybe five years off there. It brings it down to about there. Then I know that we've got a couple of teenagers in the house, and I think they know it all, and they think they think they know it all. But we know the truth, right? <laughs> and we're going to shorten that by another 12 years because now by that stage, we are, we've completed schooling, and they still don't know what they want. We don't know what we want after we are just complete with school, do you agree? So we accumulate knowledge and we bring that down. Now we're left with this. And then we are going through our life 40 years that gets spent in the pursuit of the accumulation of wealth. Now remember, we started with 90. That's where we started with, right? And then we finally find ourselves in a place of maybe retirement and we've accumulated so much that we are happy with everything we got and now we live and some of you guys that are thinking all right well you know there's 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 the significance that we are left with and before we know that it's gone this morning I want to challenge you as we speak about this topic make every day count so I would like to read from Romans 12 verse 1 for me go there in your Bibles it will also be on the screen I would encourage you we're a Bible church a lot of you guys have got it on your phones and you can open it on your app um, but I encourage you to read with me the word of the Lord this morning Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith that God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts, According to the grace given to each of us, if your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your gift. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. And if it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Let's close our eyes. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your word that is alive and active and, Lord, that it's sharper than any two-edged sword. Lord, we know that your word is perfect. 
And Lord, we bless you for your word. And I pray that as I speak about these couple of things that you've laid on my heart, I pray that you will just illuminate certain issues in our life that we can align with your word this morning. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Amen. What is our purpose? Now, I believe there are two types of purposes. The one is a general purpose. So what is man's general purpose? If we go back to the book of Genesis, it is to be fruitful, to multiply, subdue the earth. That is who, what God has made us to be. We are we're supposed to be fruitful. We are supposed to enjoy life, and we are supposed to uh, fill the earth, and we are su- supposed to subdue it. So read with me Genesis 1 verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our own image after our likeness. He's speaking from a spiritual point of view. To rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock and over all the earth itself, and every creature that crawls on it. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created him. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea, birds of the air, and every creature that crawls upon the earth. If I read this, I see God's goodwill for us in this. Because everything that he created in the beginning was good. If you go back in Genesis, you'll see, and God created the animals. And at the end of that day, he said, it is good. He he, uh, made all the fish in the sea, and he, he said, it was good. So after every period of creation, God said, it's good. I believe that God's will for us as humans are good. I do believe it. I can see so many beautiful things in humanity. However, I think we are failing, generally speaking, on preserving that which God has given us to be faithful over. We're supposed to subdue it, not destroy it. So, you know, I'll be first to say, every time I'm walking in a place and I see a paper lying next to the road, first instinct is to do what? Pick it up. Throw it in the closest trash can. However, sometimes I'm in too much of a hurry or there's too many people around. Oh, what are people going to think of me if I... But I try and do that because I do believe there is there's a great call on us to be able to do that and look after this earth. But I also believe our general purpose is that God wants relationship with us. If it wasn't the case, why would He send Jesus to die for our sins so that we can spend all eternity with Him? starting with the end in mind. But if we look at Revelation 3.20, Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. If anybody would open up the door, I will come in and I will sup with him and he with me. That is Revelation 3.20, one of the first scriptures that I uh, was taught in, in the Baptist church in Cullinan where I grew up. Also, I believe there is a part of Jesus that is so winsome. What does the word winsome mean? Winsome means that it is attractive. It's attracting. It's almost like magnetic. There are a couple of people that are winsome in this life, and then some people that you really don't want to be associated with. Can you agree with me that that is the case? We are not all the same, I know, but there are certain people that you really want to be friends with. And others are like, thank the Lord that I never have to see that person again. Come on, it's the truth. But I do believe that Jesus was winsome. He was like a magnet, and he was just 
drawing people just purely, I, I can't speak on facial characters or I believe he was quite a robust guy. He worked with wood and he was a carpenter, so I can't imagine you working those kind of tools and not having a good form and structure on him. But what I was speaking was his character was winsome. And I do believe he was magnetic and he drew people. I mean, he started with 12 and a little bit later today, we're going to be discussing where Jesus had 5,000 people in front of him. Now, don't tell me one person is not winsome because he can draw a crowd. I think he was magnetic that way. He says, Jesus says in Matthew eleven twenty eight, and I do believe this is his heart for us. He says, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. I just want to pause there. Generally speaking, I do believe God wants relationship with us. Can you see this in the Scriptures? There's many more. But here, I want to challenge you. How is your relationship with Jesus this morning? Is it on fire? Is it at a point where you are so full of God's Word and so full of relationship and fired up by the power of the Holy Spirit that you cannot wait to share that with people? If the answer is no, unfortunately, I'm there on some days as well. I would encourage you, cultivate a relationship with Jesus, get into His Word, study His Word, memorize the Scriptures, I believe the word is a love letter from the Lord to each of us. But this morning, I believe He wants relationship with us. Generally speaking, I also believe that we were created for worship. In verse 1, we'll see that this is your true and proper worship. Giving yourself, your body, as a living sacrifice. Dying to yourself. Letting go of your things. This is your true and proper worship. Now, Here's, a, here's something that I believe uh, the Bible speaks um, in Ezekiel. Ezekiel 28 verse 13, he speaks about the devil that was created for worship. He says, when you formed your timbrels and your, your pipes were formed, and that was the reason that you were created for. I believe there's, that's the only real reference to the devil being um, music related. And in Revelation, we speak about harps etc., and flutes and lyres. But, but here he speaks about the devil being created for worship. And when the devil was taken out of heaven and cast out of heaven, I do believe we step in and we fulfill a purpose of worship. And I do believe that in instruction, right throughout the Old Testament, right into the New, it says, for he is the Lord your God and you shall worship him only. He's a jealous God. Have you ever read some of those scriptures? So I believe that we are created, generally as humans, we are created for worship. As a point, just want to say this. Remember that God creates. God is the creator. What does the devil do? He destroys. It's a strong thing. God makes and he gives. What does the devil do? He steals. Jesus Christ, our living hope, He is the way, the truth, and the life. What does the devil do? He is the father of lies. Can you see a very strong comparison here? So, 
I just want to encourage you to remember that there's a constant spiritual battle for your life's purpose, your specific life's purpose. And the devil will do anything he can to steal it. If he can't steal it, he'll try to destroy it. And if he can't destroy it, he's going to send someone to whisper in your ear and he's going to start lying to you. But we know that Jesus is the hope for us for all eternity. All right, John 10 Staves that. It says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I've come that they might have life and have it to the full. God's good, He's pleasing, and His perfect will. You see, pleasing speaks for me to an element where God, I think, takes enjoyment of watching us go through life. I firmly, firmly believe it. God is so intricately involved with each of our life, lives every day, every minute of the day. And I think He's also purposed for us to have a wonderful life, a pleasing life. So God's good, He's pleasing, and then His perfect will. His will for us is perfect. All right. So that is, that is something that I want to just address. Number two, what does God give us? So number one, what, what is our general purpose? Are you guys with me? We were created for fellowship. All right. We were created for worship, and we were created for multiplication. We had to multiply, all right? Number two, what does God give us? God gives us gifts. Let's turn to uh, Romans 12, and we read from verse 6. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. Teaching, then teach. Encourage. Give encouragement. And if it's to give, to give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. I'll tell you, can I just pause here? The elders have done such an incredible job in the past two or three weeks um, leading and structuring things. I want to salute each of you guys from the bottom of my heart. You do it diligently. It is so wonderful to see. Thank you. But we get into certain situations where God gives us certain things. Now, I know my gift is teaching and encouragement, exhorting. I love, I love encouraging people. That's who I am, and I know that God has given me that. But there are certain situations where I have been growing into, for a, for a time I was in Europe, and I was doing ministry work for four years in Europe, and then I felt that season come, came to a, a grinding halt. And I thought, Lord, what now? Because here I was fulfilling, in my mind, I was fulfilling my specific purpose. You've given me the gift of music. You've given me the gift of encouragement. You've given me the gift of teaching. But now that season has completely stopped. And I went back to South Africa from Europe. We were based in Rome. And, um, and I read a scripture. There's two. Ecclesiastes 9, verse 10. It's not in my notes. So just if you're taking notes, Ecclesiastes 9, Verse 10 says, whatever you do, do it with all your might. But in Colossians 3.17 says, whatever you do, do in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. I read that and I said, Lord, whatever my hand finds to do today, help me fulfill my specific purpose here on earth today. My question is, what has God given you today? And how are you fulfilling that purpose? Do you know for me in those days... And unfortunately, there was no opportunity for ministry. But my dad was opening candy stores all over Pretoria and the capital. And he said to me, listen, I've got a new store. You need a job. I need someone to run it. Please run it for me. And I did. And I sat in front 
of that store, and I thought, Lord, you've taken me from the biggest stages in Europe, and you're putting me in front of a 258 square feet candy store. Check what God does. You see, because I do believe the miraculous takes place when we offer that which God gives us. And we're going to have a, a case study in the Bible, but bear with me here. Is the miraculous and the supernatural takes place when we actually just say, God, be God in my life, and here is my gifting back to you. Because within about six or seven weeks, guess what happened? My room was filled with all the teenagers from the school next door. Buying candy? No, no. Just coming to sit with a rock star. <laughs> Listening to music. It was sometimes so full that we couldn't get actual customers into the store. My dad had to say, listen, we need to do something here. But that was, I mean, they were lining, you know, just sitting around and they were just hanging. You see, so if we truly do what God has called us to do, don't think, don't put it in a preconceived box. Say, God, well, you've given me this. You've given me the, the gift of teaching, but there's no one to teach. There's nowhere to teach. Then serve. Encourage. I believe God has given us each thing in our life for His specific purpose. Turn with me to John 6. And for the sake of time, um, I'm going to jump to verse 9. And Jesus was teaching. There was a large crowd there, and he was just healing the sick, and he was just loving the people, and he was teaching them and just being with them, and they were asking questions. I can just imagine that being um, just an incredible opportunity. But at the end of the day, they were hungry. There were about 5,000 people there. And Jesus said, okay, well, let's send the people home. He says, well, you know, what do we need to do here? But anyway, um, he says, well, what have we got? Well, we haven't got anything, but in verse 9, they said to him, Here is a boy with five barley loaves and two small fish. But they asked him, But what difference will these make among so many? Five loaves, two fish. Jesus said to them, Have the people sit down. Now there were plenty of grass in that place, so the men sat down, about 5,000 of them. It speaks about the men. 5,000, I don't know how many ladies there were, but here's, that's irrelevant. 5,000, 10,000 is just a lot of people. Um, then Jesus took the loaves and the fish, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as what they wanted. And when everybody was full, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over so that nothing will be wasted. So they collected them in 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. You see, once again, I want to say that if you bring to the Lord that which you have, even if it's five loaves and two fish, God can take that and He can multiply that for His purposes. A couple of things that I just wanted to mention. That little boy that was bringing his lunch or his supper, to, to the Lord Jesus' disciples. He could have withhold it. He could have said, no, I would try. it's just barely enough for me. It's, for, it's okay for me. But yet, he chose to give it. And a couple of observations there for me is that even the boy had enough to eat. Think about it. He could have had enough to eat by keeping it for self, but after he gave, even that little boy had enough to eat. 
everybody around him benefited from that gift and from that miracle. One other encouragement that I want to just mention to you is that in the body of Christ, we are equal in value, different in function. Each of us brings so many different gifts to the table. What is in your hands this morning? Number three, when is the right time to start serving your purpose? Is the right time to start fulfilling your purpose when you've got 500 people in front of you to only then start preaching the Word of God? Or is it only when you're at the head of your company to start encouraging your people? Or when you lead multiple corporations to start leading? When is the right time? Ecclesiastes 3 verse 1 to 2 says that there is an appointed time for everything and a time for every affair under the heavens, a time to give birth, a time to die, a time to plant, and a time to uproot the plant. When I read that, I remember one thing, and that is that God's timing for me is perfect. God's timing for you is perfect. You are exactly where God wants you right now. So the timing for you to start serving is right now. The time for you to start loving people is right now. The time for you to encourage people is when? Right now. The time for you to lead is right now. But Lord, there's no... I'm sitting in a sweet shop. I'm sitting in a candy shop. Do it. Serve me. Love me. And look what I will do. Don't wait for the right moment to start serving. Just give to God what you have at this, this moment in time and see what He will do. Number four. We're doing well. Are you guys still awake? You still with me? All right. Girl, you're awfully quiet this morning. All right. Cool. How do we live out our purpose? How? So we've done the what, we've done the when, but now we're doing the how. How do we live out our purpose? I want to point you guys to verse 3. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith that God has distributed to each of you. So, the way that I would like to respond to that scripture is not to think, I've arrived. I'm here specifically to love God and to love people. But right now, I am under the realization that it's only by grace of the Lord Jesus Christ that I stand. Even though His mercies are new every morning, let Him who stand take heed lest He fall. You see, we are, like I said, we are only one rotten decision away from total catastrophe in our lives. That's the rude reality of what we are facing. So how will I go about living my purpose? With absolute humility. Because I haven't arrived. And if you think you've arrived, I've got news for you. You haven't. We are all on our journeys towards sanctification. How do we get to that point? Through discipleship, doing life together with one another, getting into God's Word, soberly, like he says here, assessing ourselves against what? Against God's Word. God's Word, Hebrews 4, 12, is alive and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. It penetrates evenly to divine bone and marrow. It judges, <coughs> excuse me, the thoughts 
and the, the attitudes of the heart. God's Word is the standard by which I live. So I therefore soberly assess myself against that standard. That's how I fulfill God's purpose in my life. Read with me Matthew 5 verse 13. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You see, when Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth, He doesn't command us to be the salt of the earth. He says, abide in me and let my word abide in you. He speaks about John 15. He speaks about abiding in Jesus Christ and letting His word abide in us. And it speaks about, then the world will know that you are my disciples because of the love that you got for one another. But here in this instance, He says, you are the salt of the earth. The salt of the earth what does that mean? So, I thought, I'm going to go a little bit back, and I'm going to look at the attributes of salt. You with me? The attributes of salt. It gives flavor. We love using salt. It was many battles were fought over spice and flavor. Trust me, I know. I sat at the hub of uh, the, the Cape province in South Africa. That's where the trade routes were there. Lots of wars were fought over that trade routes. But it gives flavor. My question is, how do you bring pleasant flavor in every situation that you encounter? Pleasant flavor. How do you spice your relationships with people with just enough salt to give pleasant flavor? Because we know that a little bit too much salt actually spoils, <laughs> it spoils the taste. We often, uh, we often have the opportunity to enjoy good meals, don't we? But every now and again, the, the hand slips and there's too much salt on the plate. Oh, man, and it just spoils the whole experience. So I believe Jesus speaking to us and he says, you are the salt of the earth. Give flavor. Give flavor to the situations around you. What are you doing? It's also a preserving agent. On those trade routes to the Cape, they would culture the meat with what? With salt, to keep it from spoiling. That way, salt could be money, many more weeks on, you know, on the ships, and it could last a little bit longer. But it preserves, it preserves the meat. So, what are we doing to preserve friendships and relationships? See, I believe that is, if we are looking at those attributes, this is very clear. It's a cleaning agent. If you've got a wound, <laughs> it hurts when you use it, but to stop the, the infection, it is a cleaning agent. Um, my question is, how do you help clean up toxic relationships in your life? Oh, no, I can't do that. It's too toxic. But God says, you are the salt of the earth. What do you do to clean up certain situations, to dis disinfect and stop the bad bacteria in certain conversations? Ouch or amen? <laughs> what are we doing? This one I didn't know. It can stop a raging fire. If you've got a fire in your kitchen and there's fire, like a grease fire, pour salt in it. I never knew that. Did you? I didn't. How are we the salt in that application? 
we are sitting with opportunities where people are angry all around us. This is an angry world. Can you, can you guys testify with that? <laughs> I mean, we're sitting in an angry world. But what are you doing to quench that fire, to quench that fire by being the salt to those around you? It also helps keeping pests away from the garden and home. <laughs> oh, Lord Jesus, help me to, to keep the pests at bay in my life. What does it refer to? It says, just purely by you being in a situation, you can help certain elements, certain pests. I'm not calling people pests, but certain elements infiltrate. Is your speech like that of someone that is an ambassador for Christ? See, we all carry the name Christian. We're all Christians here, are we? All right, so we all carry the name of Christ. How relevant in every conversation, in every action, in every decision are we to be the salt in that situation? For the men, uh, you already have received this uh, key scripture that we'll be uh, kicking off with men's Bible study tomorrow. But it's in Proverbs 3, verse 3 to 6. And I've been contemplating this for a long time, so please bear with me. It's very, very relevant in my life. What we do have control over in our life is what? To love people and to love God. That's within our control. Do you guys agree with me? But in Proverbs 3, 3 verse 3 to 6, it says, Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind it around your necks. Write it onto the tablets of your heart. What will then happen? You will find favor and a good name in the sight of God and the sight of man. Let's pause there. Are you loving God in everything that you're doing? Are you faithful to God in everything that you're doing? Do you love people, those around you, like you do yourself? Are you faithful to them, faithful to those relationships? What will happen? A direct outflow of it. It is like a universal law, I guess. But God says, when you do those things, then you will find favor and a good name in the sight of God and in the sight of man. But remember that if that doesn't happen, now we're going to unpause. When you've loved everybody and you do not have a good name, when you've been faithful to people and it just doesn't work out, then trust in the Lord with all your heart, with every part of your heart, every desire, every treasure that you've got. And lean not on your own understanding. Don't try and work it out. Never going to be able to work it out. So trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. What does that mean? In all your ways, be Christ-like. In everything that you do, be Christ. And what will He do? He will direct your path. Man, how are we being the salt of the earth right where we are at? It's encouraging to me to know that I have not yet arrived. I'm still on my way. Each of us. Remember I said in the beginning of the message, I said, I've not arrived. You've not arrived. We haven't arrived. It's beautiful. Lastly, number five, and we're landing this. Why do we need to fulfill our purpose, our specific purpose? Because I do believe that we are to fulfill our purpose in order to reflect God's glory. I read something very interesting. It says, some feel that our reason, our creativity, our speech, or self-determination is the image of God. More likely, it is our entire self that reflects the image of God. It's kind of like the moon and the sun. 
The moon, even though it's been given uh, authority of being a light for the evening sky, the, the moon doesn't have any of its light of its own. What does the moon do? It really ultimately just reflects the light that it gathers from the sun and it reflects it back to earth. See, that's what I see. God is our supreme creator. We don't have the ability in ourselves to ignite our own light to those around us. We are only supposed to reflect His character in our love, our patience, our forgiveness, our kindness, and our faithfulness. Why are we supposed to go into, uh, into the world and live our purpose? It's because I believe Jesus says to us, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. He says, that is your purpose. Jesus said it, I believe it, and that kind of settles it. So if the King of Kings, my Lord, the hero of my life, if he says I'm supposed to do something, I need to do that. Why do we need? Because Jesus said so. The time is now. John 4 verse 35. Do you not say there are yet four more months, then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for the harvest, because the harvest is ready and the laborers are few. We've got to fulfill our purpose. We've got to fulfill our purpose every day with everybody that we see because we don't know if tomorrow or the day after we'll still be there. So today, God gives you an opportunity to fulfill your purpose to those around us. And what is that specifically? This is to share the love of Christ with those around us. I don't know about you, but there's a sense of urgency if I look at how quickly things are escalating in this world. If we look at the development of technology, I mean, internet wasn't there until 1985, I mean, that is quickly, technology and, I mean, cryptocurrency and all these things are just happening quicker and quicker and quicker. It's like a fast pace. Now they've got microchips that can hold multiple terabytes of information. You can't even see that microchip. So the technology is escalating. I mean, everything is just crazy. Have you checked that AI recently? It is becoming faster and faster. The harvest is on the fields, people. What are we doing to fulfill our purpose right now here on earth? Because the harvest is ready why do I want to fulfill my purpose? Luke 12 verse 48 says the following. It says, From everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. What has God given you in closure? How are you fulfilling God's direct purpose in your life? Are you being the salt of the earth to those around you? Or are you waiting for tomorrow when clearly we are running out of time and things are going too fast? I want to encourage you this morning to think really long and hard and say, Lord, right now, what is my purpose? What have you given me? And if you're unsure... Go and read Romans 12 again, and you'll see there is serving. Just start serving. 
Serve in the candy store till God gives you an opportunity to come to America and lead worship in the most beautiful environment on the face of this earth. See, because when you serve and you give back to God that which He has given you, He takes care of the miraculous. And truly, us being here, this is the miracle for us. Every day, I'm so grateful. But it started in a candy store. Can you see what I'm saying? Do not wait one single moment. This year, I am 48 years old, 49 in April. So that's where I started. Um. Now, that went by in an instant. And that's how quickly the next 48 can go for me. This morning, whatever time you've got left, really make it your heart's desire and your heart's purpose to say, Lord, here am I. Even if it's in a candy store, here am I. Even if it's to do something very simplistic, help me always be in line with your purpose for my life. Does that encourage you a little bit? Because it does me, you know.